0: Have no fear, the life ref is here. And we have a violation. We have a violation right there, right there. You, Mr. McBride, how long have you been at this church? Two years. And we do it the same every morning, do we not? You forgot to dismiss the children for children's church. Kids, you better get going before I blow the whistle on you. (laughs) Upstairs, there you go. And so, Mr. McBeard, I I mean McBride, we have a penalty. Ten yards, loss of down, and also no college lunch for you. Right there. Right there. We have a violation. It is this time a fashion violation. I believe it is Ross, is it not? Are those blue jean dungarees on your tuchus? Yes, you're wearing blue jean dungarees to church in the house of God. Is that correct? Do you believe that God Almighty is sitting on his throne in glory kicking back in a pair of Levi's 501 button fly boot cuts? I don't believe so. Pretty soon you're going to be wearing a a huggy to the 9 o'clock service, aren't you? Just thank everything that's holy that you're wearing boots and not those rubber flippity-flop sandal thongy things. If I were you, you best just sit there and pray that the God of heaven does not strike you with a lightning bolt to singe that denim right off of your butt. Okay, how's everybody doing? Miss Amanda, what is that in your hand, uh, young missy? Is it coffee? Is it coffee? Do you need caffeine to keep your eyes open in church? What's that hurts? What's the matter? Is not a hot steaming cup of the Holy Spirit enough to keep your eyes open? Huh. Maybe Jesus would like a cup of coffee, but oh, that's right. He was too busy paying for your sins. I'd put that cup down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) That's for what you're thinking. Let's have a hand for our good sports. Just so you know, they all knew it was coming. I talked to them before. That was the life ref, and thankfully, he is going away. He is going away. So glad you're here. My name is Tom, for those of you who haven't met. Um, good, morning. good morning. All right, welcome home. Um, so glad you're here. Um, life ref is, is pretty obnoxious, huh? Pretty obnoxious. Uh, and the kicker is that I have done all the things that I was blowing whistles and ranting about. I've been here five years and I forget children's church every other week. Every other week. I am now wearing jeans in church. And if coffee tasted better than Diet Coke, I'd be drinking that during the morning service. But it doesn't. So I drink Diet Coke. And if you notice. None of the things that I was all hot and bothered about really matter that much. And even if they did, they're not more important than loving you and loving you. So um, this morning, we're going to finish up. We've been in the gospel experiment for about 12 weeks. um, And it's been wonderful. And uh, this is going to be our last time in it um, before we go into Easter and start the Rolling Stone series, which I'm very excited about. But um, last time we were all together, and I was here with you, was two weeks ago, and um, we talked about reconciliation. We're going to talk about reconciliation again um, from a different angle. Um, healing the relational distance, removing the relational distance, um, bringing us together closer to Christ and closer to each other. Why, why talk about reconciliation again well because it's the whole it's the whole ball of wax it's it's part of it's it's the theme of the bible from genesis to the maps in the back of the old testament um it's about god seeing a people who are far from him and and by his sacrifice through his love drawing us closer to him and closer to each other um and and so that's why we're talking about reconciliation again healing the relationship Matthew 7, if you have a Bible, open it to Matthew chapter 7. If you don't and you'd like to use one, uh, you can look under one of the seats in front of you. If you don't own a Bible and you'd like to, take that one, it's free, it's yours to keep as our gift. Please read it, It, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful blessing. Okay, we're going to read Matthew 7, we're going to pick it up in verse 1, and um, we're going to unpack it. Uh, after we read it, it's about the life ref. And um, I was clearly exaggerating um, and, and making fun of churchy people. But the point is that there is a little life ref in me. And if you're anything like me, there's a little life ref inside of you. And this is what Jesus has to say about being the life ref. Let's take a look at it. Matthew 7, we'll pick it up in one. He says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye. When there's this log in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, familiar to a lot of us. Heard this. But have you ever tried to... um, Play like a mental movie of of the story. Get a mental picture of what Jesus is talking about. Have you ever tried to picture what that would be like? (coughs) I mean, look at verse four. What is he saying? Verse four. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when, uh, when there is this log in your own eye? A speck of sawdust when you have a log. Whoever said that Jesus didn't have a sense of humor, if you've ever tried to mentally picture what he's saying, it might look something like this. Preston, sit right there. Sit right there, Preston, because I've heard you have a speck in your eye. And I just happen to have this sawdust speck removing ministry. So, uh, Ty, if you'd hold him Tightly, and you keep that eye open. Here's what we're gonna do we're gonna pluck that eye out, hose it off, pop it back in there. You'll be seeing 2020 in no time. What do you say? It's ridiculous, it's obnoxious to think that he has this small problem and I'm gonna help him and I've got this huge issue of the same sort, right? But as Christians, We do that all the time. All the time. And and that's what Jesus is saying. When we're judging one another, when we're judging people inside the church, outside the church, those who are followers of Christ, those who are far from Christ, doesn't matter. When we're judging others, we're being the life ref, and we need not to look at them, but we need to look at ourselves and see how obnoxious and ridiculous we look. Why? Why? Why do we do this? Because we've trained our eyes to see the shortcomings in other people. We've trained our mind, our eyes, our heart to identify the shortcomings, the sinfulness, the the, the brokenness, if you will, of other people rather than seeing our own. And, And there's some people in the church that think they have this spiritual gift of fault finding, and it's not a spiritual gift at all. It's a curse. It's a curse. It drives people away from you. It drives people away from Christ. And it attaches people's brokenness to themselves. Right? When, we, when I judge somebody, I'm attaching to them their worst moments. When Christ wants to do the exact opposite, he wants you and me and, and everyone to come to him so he can separate from us our brokenness, separate from us our worst moments, our sin. That's what he wants to do. And it's not, it's not a gift to be a fault finder. It's a curse. But even though we know that, isn't it true that sometimes we'd rather be the referee than the reconciler? Sometimes doesn't it make us feel closer to God to point out how morally bankrupt other people are? I mean, don't you sometimes think that Jesus would really appreciate the help in identifying people's sins? Don't you enjoy that a little sometimes? You don't have to nod. I know it's true. Jesus doesn't want that help. He is more interested in forgiving people than condemning them. And if you're like me, you can get caught up in the subtle trap of shifting the focus. Saying and thinking things like, you know this relationship would be fine if he wasn't so selfish. This situation would be fixed if she wasn't just such a drama queen, this whole problem would be solved if they would realize that they are the problem and they started acting like they cared. Or... And the focus is on someone else. The, the way to fix this difficult relationship, the way to fix this problem is for them to stop doing whatever they're doing or start doing what they know they should be doing. They're the problem. Well, here's the problem. Focusing on fixing other people who we're having problems with is exactly the opposite of what Jesus tells us to do. What's the first thing that Jesus tells us to do? What's the first thing in a difficult relationship in this dilemma that Jesus tells us to do? Look at our own brokenness. Realize our own brokenness. See the log. The log is the problem. And the log is mine. Is mine. Take care of that first. Take care of that first. Go to the cross. Say, Jesus, heal me. Jesus, remove this log. And then I can go to this person. Then I can love this person. Then I can serve this person. That's what we're supposed to do. We get in relationships and we view people as projects, as things that need to be fixed. It doesn't matter if we're married, it doesn't matter if we're friends, if we're co-workers or just buddies or whatever. We see people as projects. If they would just fix this, everything would work. Jesus is saying the first thing you need to do is come to me, realize your own brokenness. Let me heal you. Let me transform your heart and I'll send you back. You're gonna see that person a whole lot different. A whole lot different. You can love and serve them and set them free. So what does that look like? What does that sound like? Okay, Um, my wife, Cherie, and I are having an argument, okay? Now, uh, I know this never happens, but go with me for the purposes of the illustration, okay? Um, So, we're, we're arguing about money. Each one of us thinks that the other one is spending too much on unnecessary things, right? And so we get at it. I mean, it gets tense because any of us who are married will, will admit that, that money can be a big landmine in, in marriage and talking about marriage, right? So here's one thing that I could do. Here's one strategy I could have, which is in my mind, just start unpacking that file of, of points that I could make, cards that I can play, right? That, that I could, I have a list of things that she's bought in the last year that are just stupid, just stupid, right? And I could play those one after the other, after the other, and I, then I could play the card that says, hey, I work hard for the money. So hard for it, honey, I work hard for the money, so she better treat me right. It sounds like a song. Um, Or I could say, how dare you not trust me with the finances of our family? And there are so many more that I could play, right? You know, you could win that argument. If not just with great points, just endurance, beating her over the head. But that's not what Christ calls me to do. He says, I've got to do something first. Rather than focus on the speck that is in her eye, I have to take care of the log that is in mine. So I go to Jesus and I've got to search my heart and be repentant and be broken and sorry over what I've brought to this. See, even if I think I'm 95% right, and it might be, even if I think I'm 95% right, right. That 5%, even that 1%, Jesus is saying, it is on me to go to him in brokenness and get that fixed before I come back. What does that sound like? What does that sound like? It might sound like this, sweetheart, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This whole thing has shown me my heart that when the subject of money comes up, I just get so defensive and I I put up walls and I I can't even hear you. I can't even hear you. I can't even love you. I can't even see how you're trying to make this better. You see, because I have this fear that I'm not a good provider that I'm not a good enough man. Um, I have this fear that I'm not gonna take care of you well enough, that I'm not gonna take care of the kids well enough. And so when we talk about money, all this stuff comes up because I'm not trusting God to be the provider, obviously, or I wouldn't be so anxious about it. So um, when that happens, I get defensive and insecure. And rather than listen to you and learn from you how to do it better, I lash out at you. And I'm not loving you as Christ loved the church. And I'm sorry. And you deserve better. Will you help me do a better job? That's what taking the log out looks like. That's what taking the log out sounds like. And in this environment, in this atmosphere of Repentance of ad- admitting brokenness. It is now safe for her, if her heart tells her to, to talk about the speck in her eye. Or not. Because you don't go through this and say, and now? No. My coming to Christ and coming to her as a broken man in repentance. Isn't dependent on her response. That's what Christ tells me to do. That's what he's transforming my heart to do. But it's now safe for her to come and do the same. But if she doesn't, it's just a speck. And I can love her through the speck if Christ can love me through the log. Quickly, um, that's the road to reconciliation. You go first to the cross with your own baggage, right? I mean, we all have baggage. Some of us, most of us, it fits in the overhead compartment. Some of it doesn't. You know, you're checking it. You got lo- doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it's a fanny pack. I don't care. You got other problems if you're carrying a fanny pack, but you take care of your issues first you want something solved in a relationship, it starts with me. It starts with you. Four things that happen real quick. Um, When we focus on the faults of others, when we play the life ref, here is what is happening underneath the surface. Four things real quick. Number one, it shows that I'd rather be right than be reconciled. I'd rather be right Then be reconciled. Winning this argument is more important to me than loving this person. Winning this argument is more important to me than loving this person. And you can see this when Christians try to share Christ. Winning this argument is more important to me than loving this person. If you stop loving this person, shut your mouth. Sorry, that was harsh. But if we ever share Christ without love, we're not sharing him at all. If we're morally right and we resist reconciliation, we're wrong. If we're morally right and we resist reconciliation, we're wrong. Number two, I think that Jesus changing the other person is the solution for the problem. I think Jesus changing the other person is the solution for the problem. When Jesus says, changing my heart, it's what he's after. That's the solution. Doesn't matter if it's a marriage. Doesn't matter if it's a a friendship, a dating relationship, a, a roommate. Doesn't matter. Changing my heart. That's what he's about. That's what he's about. And through that, as people see our brokenness, our humility, him working on us creates a safe place for them to allow him to work on them. Got to come in repentance. You say, well, you're weak, <laughs> weak, weak, man. Yeah? When I'm weak, then I am strong. Strong. We have a lot of young people. I work, my full-time job is at the college, for those of you who don't, don't know me. Um, and we have a lot of young people here in, in, in Bethany. I'm gl- I'm a, I love it. Okay. Makes me feel old, but I love it. Um, We have a lot of young people who have a very difficult time coming to Jesus broken. Broken over what they've made of their lives and saying, I'm sorry. Do you know why? Because there are a lot of parents who when they were clearly wrong did not come to their children humble and broken and repentant and say, I've blown it. My only hope is Christ because I'm not the man I need to be. I'm not the husband I need to be. I'm not the dad that I need to be. And I'm asking you to love me enough to give me another shot. And because we haven't come to our kids in repentance and brokenness, They don't know how to do it. And they know we're wrong. Some of us are so wrong, so loud wrong, you know? We have to model being broken. Model. Don't flaunt your brokenness. There's enough of it to go around. My kids will think I'm weak and they won't respect me. If you're not broken when you're wrong and they know you're wrong, they already don't respect you. They may fear you, but they don't respect you. It takes a man to know where he's fallen. It takes a woman to know when she's broken. And it takes a mom or dad to show our kids how to do that. They're still punished, but you know. Number three, both the log and the speck of sawdust are made of the same thing. Both the log and the speck of sawdust are made of wood, right? I often say in here, we all have, because we get these designer sins and we like to pick on people. Like that Westboro Baptist Church, right? That was gonna come to campus. They're all like hot and bothered about sexual sins, right? And in here we say, the Bible says we all have different symptoms of the same disease, right? Both the log and the speck are made of the same thing, wood. We have eyes, we have hearts that are trained to recognize the faults in other people, the very ones that we ourselves struggle with. So if I'm always noticing that other people are catty and backbiting and gossipers, that should tell me something. I might have some of that same thing that helps me recognize it, and it's in my heart. Okay, number four, and then we'll move on. Verse five, Jesus used an interesting word, he calls the life ref, he, cho- he, he calls the fault finder, calls him a hypocrite. What's a hypocrite? It's an actor. It's a phony. It's a poser, right? And why does he do that? Well, here's why. Because when we focus on the other person's faults and shortcomings and the speck that is in their eye, we don't really want to love and bless the other person. We don't really want to serve them and heal them and reconcile them as we would like to appear that we do. What we want them to do is realize and own their own badness. We want want them to know and own how bad they really are because it's all a game of moral comparative, right? Because isn't that the gospel? You do more good than you do bad and you're acceptable. No, it ain't. It's that we're all broken. And we all need healing. And we all need forgiveness. Some of our brokenness is very obvious. Because we get like picked up by the cops for it. Or we get in the paper for it. Or we have fights and we have marital breakdowns or whatever. and, And you can see it. That's not the most dangerous. The most dangerous one is the one inside the person who's all scrubbed up on the outside and respected in the church, and that poison is hidden from everybody, including themselves. So if you're one of those people who sins loud, it's a gift. It's a blessing. You can see it. You know. If you don't know, that's a more troubling place to be. It's a much more troubling place to be. God will show you. So why is it important for us to reconcile? Why, whoa. why is it so important? Um, We've got to cover this, and then I'll let you go. Um, We've got to know why we do things. You, you don't just say, the Bible says, do this, I'm going to do it. The Bible says, don't do this, I'm not going to do it. You know what that is? It's not following Jesus. That's moralism. That's moralism. Do this, do this, do this. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. That's moralism. That's not what the Bible teaches teaches the gospel. So what's the gospel? See, if, if it's not the gospel, it's just self-help. And you could go to Borders and buy a discounted book or watch Oprah or do yoga or eat quinoa and just call it good. You know, that's self-help. I don't suggest you eat quinoa. I don't think that was intended for human consumption. God's going to set you straight when you get home. Um, so we go to the Bible. We find out what the gospel is. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We, here's the why. Here's the why for reconciliation. Here it is. We're going to pick it up in um, verse 16. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. It says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. What does this mean? That means we're not going to look at people as, you know, when you, when you do that Rorschach test, They they show you blotches, and what's the first thing that comes? That's a butterfly. That's a chicken nugget. That's a whatever. Um, It could be. It could very well be a McNugget. Okay. With people, if you're doing a slideshow, if you're going down your list of Facebook friends, if you're thinking and watching people go by, you're thinking of names, and the first thing that comes up in your mind is what's wrong with them. Oh, that's this person, they're this. That's that person, they got this issue. That's that person, they're that. We're not gonna look at people that way. That's how the world identifies people. We're gonna see people as made in God's image, as beautiful and, and worthwhile and, and, and lovely and, 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 and exactly what we are. Exactly what we are in need of Christ. That's what we're gonna see. We're not gonna pigeonhole people. This person is that kind of person. This person is this kind of person. We're not going to look according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. Good teacher, great man. No, God with skin on. We regard him thus no longer. 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The oldest passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's great news. This is not becoming a better person. Jesus did not take the water at the wedding feast in Cana and make it really good water. He changed it into something completely different. He doesn't take a tom and make him just a better tom. He's not interested in that. He wants to make me into the man that he created me to be, which is so much different than the life that I'm pursuing on my own. Completely different. But you say, do I lose my personality? No, you find it. You find the reason that he's given you these gifts, these bills, something completely different. So I want to say this to you. You know believers, followers of Jesus Christ, who are loving and kind, right? But you also know believers and followers of Jesus Christ who are mean and hateful. Do you not? You have neighbors or friends, maybe, maybe, Family members, anybody who is not a follower of Jesus Christ, does not yet know how much he loves them, what he's done for them, who are loving and kind. You have people who are far from Christ who are mean and, and hateful. Really? So telling this apart gets really difficult. Do you really? The more time I spend with God and in Scripture walking with Jesus this new creation thing, I think it's much bigger than I've ever grasped. I think it's much deeper than I've ever hoped for. I think that we should be so changed, so transformed in our heart that the love that we have is only explainable, only explainable by the power and the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. Look at their marriage. The only way you can explain that is Jesus. Look at their friendships. The only way you can explain that is Jesus. Look at the people that treat them bad. The only way you can explain how they love them anyway is Jesus Christ. There's no other way, man. You don't see that other places. It should be really easy if we're new creations to tell those who... Have been changed and transformed by the love of Christ and are now overflowing with it, and those that haven't. And right now, in most communities, in most churches, and I'm glad we have followers here and people who aren't, just check it out. But if you're looking for the love to tell the two apart, good luck. Good luck. 18. All this is from God, which means it's not moral comparison. It's all from God. It's all his doing. He's done everything good there is to do for us. That is, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. That is huge. Reconciled us to himself. Now, here's the story. Here's the story from our first parents on we, have, we could argue about what's a sin, what's not a sin. This is the essence of what it is. We have taken the place of God. In our hearts, each one of us from the very beginning, we have taken the place of God. We're gonna be the captain of our own vessel. We're gonna be the determiner of our own destiny. We're gonna call the shots. It's gonna go this way, right? And God says that that's treason and it leads to death. And it separates us, this giant chasm Why? Because taking the place of God is the sin of Satan. Putting ourselves in in the place of God. And in that sense, you, me, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, everybody in between, Lady Gaga, for instance, um, we have all taken the place of God. So Jesus, in the midst of that, loves us so much that he comes, God, with skin on To say, although you have taken the place of God in your own hearts and created this giant rift between us, in exchange for you taking the place of God, I am going to take your place on the cross. That's the penalty for taking the place of God. And God paid it because he loved us in the midst of our rebellion. Me included. That's the love of God. That's how he reconciled us, brought us home. Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Ha! Get that! You ever wanted to be in the ministry? Surprise! You are! How's your ministry going? I don't know. How's it going? Here, I want you to notice something. God never gives you something that's just for you. Okay? Okay? God never gives you something just to have. We become recipients of it, and at the same time, whether it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, forgiveness, whatever it is, right? When he gives us something, we also not only become recipients, but agents of it. He doesn't only want to give it to you, he wants to pour it through you. So it's the same with reconciliation. When he brings you home, when he erases the relational distance, he wants all our lives to be about calling people closer to him and closer to each other. Closer to him and closer to us. Your ministry is reconciliation. That's what it is. Our job, if you're a Christian or you become one today, is to draw people closer to Christ and closer to each other. Every conversation, every relationship through no ability of our own. We either see people as reconciled and we want to love them into deeper reconciliation or we see people who are far from Christ and our heart goes on to them and we long to see them reconciled to Him and to each other. But sometimes, sometimes, in the pride of our hearts, and I know this not because I read it in some commentary, but because I see it in the mirror. Sometimes we would rather be right than be reconciled. Think about most of your fights with your friends, with your spouse, with your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, your brothers, sisters, parents, whatever it is. Would you rather be right than be reconciled? Verse 21, skip down. This is one of the most powerful verses of Scripture. For our sake, he, God the Father, made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Um, The wording is a little convoluted, but I really want us to, to track with this. So let's read it aloud together, okay? Real slow. For our sake... He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So for those of us who sometimes want to be right more than we want to be reconciled, we need to understand, we need to grasp the core of the gospel, the good news. It is this, that for our sake, because God loved us, Jesus, who had no sin no log, no speck, no nothing, never, right? Comes to us. All I am is specs and logs. All I am is specs and logs. He is all completely right. I am all completely wrong. For my sake, Jesus, who was completely right, became completely wrong so that I, who am completely wrong, might be made completely right. For those of us who'd rather be right than be reconciled, you are fighting against the power of the cross of Jesus Christ who became sin. The innocent bears the burden of the guilty. That's the gospel. Without that truth, I'm not drawing another breath. Do you get it? Jesus is saying, will you let me become the porn addict so that I can set you free? Will you let me become the divorced person so that I can show you love? Will you let me become the partier so that I can show you joy? Will you let me, you fill in the blank with anything that, that, that you're afraid that you've done that has separated you from God? This is saying he became that and nailed it to a cross to kill it so that you wouldn't have to bear the identity, the pain, the punishment of that. That's the gospel. It's not about being, the the message of the gospel is not behave. It's come home. And I I, I am sorry for every church that has told you different. This is not a moral contest. This is saying we're all broken and he is gonna put it all back together because of what he's done. That's the truth. Don't listen to anything else or else it'll start you on this treadmill. Do better, do better, do better. Christ has done better and he's ready to give credit of that to you if you just come to. There isn't the good and the bad. There's the forgiven and those who don't know how much Jesus loves them yet. Okay. You're wondering, you know, should I have brought the a bedroll or something? Maybe we'll do college dinner. No, I'm getting you out of here. So we go back up to 19, that Christ is reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him. How great is our God? He's not into making lists of all the stuff that I've done wrong. He needs to get scads of paper for me. scads of paper for me. He's not into that. But when you go into an argument, when you go into a discussion, and you use words like, you always do this. You never do. You ever use always and never to try to make your point? You know what that shows in your heart? You're keeping score. We don't serve a God who keeps score. We don't serve a God who keeps score. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. There it is again. That's our message. And therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us ambassadors. How cool is that? You know what an ambassador does? Goes to a foreign country, right? And the embassy is like a fenced-in area. That's actually just like living in your home country. You have in there the laws and the rule of your home country in a a place that's far from home. So what he's saying is you're an ambassador. Your world, your circle of influence is your embassy. It's the kingdom of God. God reigns there. God rules there. God's message is there. And God's message, his favorite expression is not you're busted. It's you're forgiven. It's not Guilty, 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 go away. It's you're all guilty. You're all declared by me in me not guilty. I took you did the crime, I did the time. Come home. That's the message. And we had a church that was gonna come to campus, you know, Westboro. Hold up signs. God hates fags. It hurts my mouth to say it. God loves and went to the cross to show it. And there's no difference. There is no difference between a man who burns with lust for another man and me who burns with lust for somebody who's not my wife put down the sign, get on your knees and know that the only way any of us are coming home is through the faithfulness of Christ. We're going to compare sins. Really? Really? The religious right, God bless them. They do it all the time. Thump about this or thump about that. and You can vote any way you want. And then their lives are falling apart. Their families are falling apart. Really? Look at the log. All this from God. And so he says, we implore you, we beg you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He's writing to the church. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What a great gift. What an incredible gift. If you leave here knowing anything else, um, it's that the innocent bears the burden of the guilty because of love. The innocent bears the burden of the guilty because of love. That's the gospel. So when you're in a situation When you're in a relationship where you're 95% right or 100% right if you want to lie to yourself, really, remember the gospel that the innocent bears the burden of the guilty so that they can come home. It will transform every relationship, every conversation, every endeavor. if our reconciliation with Jesus Christ doesn't fundamentally and continually change the way we see, treat, and love people and fight for reconciliation, then we need to seriously, seriously ask ourselves if we've ever been reconciled to Christ at all. There is a place where people are fully, completely reconciled to God and to each other. It's called heaven. And there is a place where people are not reconciled to God and are not at all reconciled to one another, and it is called hell. And you and I bring a little bit of one or the other into every interaction, every look, every word, every relationship, and we pray, thy kingdom come, bring it. Bring it through reconciliation. The good news is that Jesus is calling us all home. Calling us all home. He has a speck. She has a speck. I have a log. Jesus allowed himself to be nailed to a tree so that all of us might come home. And be reconciled. And if we're not fighting for reconciliation, we're wrong, even if we're right. The good news is Jesus is calling us all home to him to erase the relational distance. He wants to remove the log. He wants to remove the speck. He wants to give you the ministry of reconciliation. He wants to give you his heart. And the Bible says God is making his appeal through us. We implore you, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Some of us, um, where does it start? It starts with you and me going to the cross in brokenness and repentance to see the log, to have him remove it. Some of us need to put down our yellow penalty flags, pick up a white surrender flag and say, I'm done. I trust you. Some of us need to make phone calls. Some of us need to make visits. Some of us need to fight for reconciliation in a place where we've given up. Christ is all about bringing people closer to him and closer to each other. It's life. Let's pray.